not too much. Welcome to Conduit Conversations. We're here to bridge the gap and give you a look inside the minds of those who are changing our communities for the better. So with us here today, we have Councilmember Ferraletto. Thank you for taking the time out of your day to, to have this interview and to talk to us about all the cool things that you have going on in the city. Yeah, thank you very much for having me. I'm excited to do this. And so if you look up Councilmember Ferraletto on the City of Buffalo website, You'll see he's a council member for the Delaware District, and that includes parts of Elmwood and Hurdle, two of the city's most desirable areas. Uh, he's the chairman of the Claims Committee. He's part of the Finance, Legislation, and Transportation Committees. He's an alumni of Canisius College, and he holds a JD from the UB School of Law. He also was a legal aide to two former council members and deputy chief of staff to a New York State Senator. And that resume is impressive enough, but he's also someone who cares about the community and the city of Buffalo, and he doesn't give in to criticism. Instead, he does what's right for the community and the Buffalo region as a whole. He's a problem solver, and he's invested in working together with the community, businesses, and the government to come up with new creative solutions to problems that are going on in the urban area. And because of the things that he's doing, we wanted to bring him onto the show. And so he's been part of way too many things for me to list um, in the city to even name a fraction of them. But uh, some of the things that he has been doing um, or that he's partaken in um, include uh, an indoor athletic facility that's being built um, at Shoshone Park. Uh, he has the Hurdle Alley's Street Art Festival that he started, uh, an Earth Day cleanup where he worked with the Schatzel Group to make that a reality. He sponsors the BPO concert at North Park Academy. Uh, the list goes on. And one of the things that he is really invested in with his time uh, are art installations throughout his district and the city, and he sponsors those. He's an advocate for local businesses, local economic development through small business, and because of that, his district has been rejuvenated, so much so that the hurdle portion, North Buffalo, was listed as an economic engine of opportunity, number, the number 10 neighborhood in the country on this list. So we're just going to start off with our first portion of the podcast, Objects in Mirror Are Closer Than They Appear. So everyone thinks and functions differently based on their life experiences, their education, and not everyone understands where others are coming from when they do and say things. And so transparency is when what you think, say, and do are aligned. And I think that Councilmember Ferraletto is a great example of that. And so the first question in this portion of the show is, who actually are you? I mean, I just listed off a bunch of things that you've done, but what's your backstory? Oh, thank you. I appreciate all the kind things that you have said and getting into getting into my education. It it started out at, I started out at St. Rose of Lima Grade School, which was a neighborhood Catholic school where it was pretty cool because everyone 
everyone that went there lived in the same neighborhood. So we'd go to school. After school, we'd all play football, basketball, and it really gave you a sense of community and pride because you went to school with the same people that you were hanging out with after school, and everyone lived within a few blocks, which was which was really awesome, and it gave you a sense of community. And growing up in North Buffalo, there's always a sense of pride in community. Mm-hmm. So we that was... Um, well, it was over over 20 years ago. And then uh, went on to St. Joe's High School, Canisius College. And then after college, I worked um, for two different Buffalo Common Council members. Uh, when I was in college, I worked in a couple Buffalo restaurants as well. Worked at um, Oliver's and the Buffalo Chop House. And when I was in, um, probably I think it was four or five years after I graduated from college, I was working for a state senator I decided that I wanted to go to law school and I did a lot of um, constituent advocacy when I was working in the state senate and before that when I was working for different council members. I thought that I could be a better advocate with a JD. So as an attorney you're an advocate for people and that was a good transition from from what I was doing to go into law school. So I went to UV Law, which was, I loved it. It was a great experience. Even when I was working, when I was attending UV Law School, I was working for a state senator. So I've really always, um, a lot of my working life, I've been involved in in public service. Um, I have a considerable amount of private practice um, experience as well in law, but really working government, it, being an advocate for people and helping people is is very important. So we do a lot of great things in the neighborhood with economic development and helping small businesses and doing, uh, working on public art projects and beautifying the neighborhood. But we still have a very very strong focus on constituent services, making sure every person that contacts our office is given a voice and they're they're being assisted in whatever issue they have that comes up. Yeah, it was just uh, when I was sitting waiting for you um, out in the main part of the office, uh, one of the women that works for you was on the phone with somebody that was just telling her her problems for like 35 minutes and she sat and she listened to her problems and she was very kind and she gave her solutions or um, ways to reach people that would be able to help her with her problems and it's just like genuinely great to see that people care about other people uh yeah that's great i have that's great i have there i have a wonderful staff that works for me and uh we it's interesting we get a lot of different random phone calls all across the board Mm -hmm. where people call call for help so they a lot of people when they have an issue or something comes up they have a question they think you know call your council member your council member is the most visible elected official that you would have in terms of um, easiest to get a hold of. Their door is always open at City Hall. Um, so we we try to help everyone that contacts our office. And there's just so many great people that live in the city of Buffalo. And you meet, doing this job, you meet so many wonderful people. It's, it's such a pleasure. That's awesome. Um... One thing that I've come to find is that most successful people in life, um, they have a lot more going on behind the curtains than what other people see. And uh, 
one major attribute behind success is consistency. So do you have a morning routine? And if so, what does it look like? I do. I have a morning routine. I wake up every day between 5 and 6 o'clock without an alarm. And I go either to the gym, uh, Terry's gym, which is on Hurdle Avenue, just a few blocks from my house. It's been there for, I think, almost 30 years. Or I'll go for a run outside or a bike ride outside. Uh, I just completed, at the end of May, I did the Buffalo Marathon, which was the fourth marathon that I did. It was the first time, it was the first time in nine years I've done a marathon. So it was a it was a little more challenging um, being nine years older than the last time I did it. I wasn't in the same shape that I was uh, back then, but it was fun. And the, the one thing which is challenging about training for the Buffalo Marathon is most, most people train for a marathon for at least like 16 to 20 weeks. So the Buffalo Marathon is the Sunday before Memorial Day. So I was on an 18-week training program, so I started running in the end of February. So running outdoors when it's, you know, five degrees, 10 degrees, snowing, uh, back in, in Feb, late February, March, it's still dark out um, in the morning at even like seven o'clock in the morning. So that's, that's the hard part, but the really cool part about doing a marathon training during that time is you get to see the seasons change. So when you start running, there's no leaves on the tree. There's ice on the trees, there's snow on the trees. A lot of times you can't see the grass because there's snow on the ground. And then as you move closer to the race date, you see the buds starting to form on the trees. You see the flowers starting to bloom. And really running through the city gives you a different perspective than if you're just going from point A to point B in a car and not really enjoying the beautiful historic houses that you would see on a run or the the water that running down through LaSalle Park or really taking in the vibes of the different neighborhoods that we have. It's just a really cool way to see the city. Yeah, Buffalo has some amazing architecture. I mean, City Hall being one of the most amazing pieces for sure. But um, there's definitely a sense of community too here that's different than anywhere else I've ever been. Where uh, what's actually interesting is uh, you worked on a piece on Elmwood actually recently, um, the Yellow Dog mural. Yes. And that's a very interesting story because um, like how that came about with uh, the guys from Bureau being out in Vegas and linking up with the artist for the, the mural. Yeah, that was really cool. I was, when I heard that story, um, it was just such a unique story but it was really such like a western new york buffalo story the two the two guys from bureau were on the side of the road in new mexico they were taking a picture and a, a truck pulls up the tr the person driving the truck thinks that the the car may be stranded or the people might be lost because it was a very uh desolate area turns out the the person who pulls up has a buffalo bill sticker on his car they start talking, the, the person driving happens to be, um, he's an artist, he's originally from Batavia, used to go to the Albright Knox as a kid, now he lives in New Mexico, and they meet on the side of the road in New Mexico, wind up hanging out for, uh, for a long time, become friends, and then the, 
the guys from Bureau talked with uh, talked with Eric, the artist, and then he did a installation on the side of Visualize um, on Elmwood, and that happened just the other day. So when the guys from Bureau they contacted my office, asked if we could help with anything, uh, we were certainly happy to. And it's such a such a cool story, but it's also really a Western New York story in a sense of people care about each other. There's that sense of community and uh, a lot of people could see a car on the side of the road and just drive by, not even think about stopping to ask if people are okay or ask if they need anything. You get this, these people from Western, New, originally from Western New York, now living in New Mexico, just pull right over, hey, it, hey, is there anything you need? Are you okay? And then they wind up hanging out and becoming friends after it. It was pretty, very, very cool. Yeah, when I was reading it, about it on Buffalo Rising, I was just like, this is truly like a story where you're like, this is why Buffalo is the city of good neighbors. Just like yeah. anywhere else. Uh, we were, I was having a conversation with my friends the other day too. Just like anywhere else you go, um, people that are from the same city, like if you were from Chicago and you saw someone out with like a Bears, Chicago Bears shirt on, you wouldn't go and approach them. But like if you're from Buffalo and you're somewhere else and you see someone with Buffalo gear on, you're just like, oh, hey, are you from Buffalo too? <laughs> Yeah, that happens all the time. That uh, I've been out of town in uh, in some other cities when the Bills had games, and I've gone to different uh, different Bills bars in other cities, uh, and it's just it's fun. You see everyone there's in their Bills outfits or jerseys or shorts or hats, and all these strangers start talking to each other, and um, of course people wind up either knowing someone or knowing a family member or a friend to someone or a co-worker there's there always seems to be a buffalo connection anywhere you go yeah that's awesome uh so a lot of people that have been successful have dealt with major setbacks and obstacles and what usually sets them apart is their mindset and uh what they do to to work through it and i know in your position you probably have a lot of criticism you can't please everybody so uh, what do you do, like what are your methods for dealing with um, people who either criticize you or speak negatively about uh, things that you're doing? Like how do you, how do you deal with that? So I, I think that I have a very good way of accepting people for who they are and knowing that there's all different types of people, um, whether they have different educational backgrounds or they have different preferences in architecture or they were raised differently differently or different uh, anything so I just understanding people are very a lot of, a lot of people have different opinions and a lot of things that people um, could be upset about or, or be critical about are things that are not right or wrong uh where there's definitely not a right or wrong answer like for example some people some people criticize may criticize the type of architecture on a building and architecture that's that's very subjective and there's not a right or wrong answer and just because um i may like something and the other person doesn't doesn't mean they're wrong they just it just means that we don't we don't agree on something and i think um, just knowing knowing that and I have I tend to have more pragmatic approaches uh, when it comes to things there's a lot of people that um, that have 
they're very passionate in how they believe, but I, I certainly respect their opinions and just um, appreciate their opinions, but you sort of, you move on and you don't let anything deter you. That's awesome. That's definitely one good way to deal with things. Um, what do you think has been the biggest obstacle that you've dealt with, either in your job or in life, and how did you work through it? Um, what, I, honestly, one of the biggest obstacles or challenges probably when I decided to go back to law school, when I decided to go back to graduate school and go to law school, because taking five years between undergraduate and graduate puts you at a different um, at a different place when you're in law school compared to someone who just comes out of undergrad. They're in the, they're in the uh, sort of already used to, in the mindset of being in school and going to classes and studying, where for me, I was, I was working for five years, so I wasn't, I certainly wasn't reading as much. I wasn't doing papers. Um, so I think the transition may have been, um, transition might be easier for someone that's just continuing their education. So it was, it was a little challenging. Um, and that was definitely, um, definitely a big change. I went from, uh, I was closing the library like on a regular basis. I'd spend my weekends in the library, in the library, which was certainly um, different than, than what I was doing before. And the first year of law school was, I found it extremely challenging, but, um, especially because, as you know, in law school, it's completely different from undergraduate. Yeah, when the classes I would, you know, when you're an undergraduate, you have quizzes or you have tests um, or different papers, and that's much different when you're in law school. Uh, my first semester, we had no midterms. It was just a final exam. So up until the final exam, you have no idea how you're doing in the class. And that was a that was a little challenging for me because I'm you know I'm almost you could be almost done with your first semester of law school and have no grades and have no idea how you're doing in it, which is different than um, anything else that I experienced before. Yeah, I agree, and you're giving me PTSD because I took two years off between undergrad and law school, and when I got back into it, I had no idea what I was doing. Like I got my grades for first semester, and I'm like, oh. Thought I was doing better than that. Yeah. <laughs> it's just such a different experience. Definitely difficult to deal with. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so as far as projects that you've worked on, I've named uh, a few earlier, uh, but what do you have in the works right now in your district that you're really um, like investing yourself in and, and doing, or like what exactly do you have um, in the works right Yeah, now? so we, I, I know you briefly talked about public art. So the public art is very important um, to me and the district. And a lot of there's some cool public art going up on Elmwood, but also what what we've done with others and collaborated to do on Hurdle is just incredible. So a couple years ago, I was in Miami, and in Miami there's a part of the city that's called Wynwood. And in Wynwood, they have what's they have uh, in they have a lot of buildings that have different murals on them. Yeah. And that started in uh, started in two thousand eight during the recession. Uh, from what I read on it, there was uh, there were a lot of vacant buildings in Wynwood, 
and the owner of these buildings wanted to attract uh, tenants to them, so he commissioned artists to come and do murals, and it really took off. They get so many different visitors. You see them on social media all the time, and it's really been a boom for that area, and it's become a real popular area. Uh, people go take pictures next to the murals all the time. They go to support a lot of the businesses that are near there, and it's really been a huge draw to the area. So I spoke um, I spoke with Yanni Seren, who is the director of the Albright Knox, and I spoke to with uh, Aaron Ott. He's the public art curator of the Albright Knox. And uh, we talked about collaborating on Hurdle Avenue and doing several public art projects. And they, when you have density in murals and public art, that really attracts people to the area because people will make a trip out of it. So if you have five murals within half a mile or a mile, you may get people from out of town or the suburbs or different parts of the city and they'll, they'll make an event out of it. They'll go check out the five murals, grab lunch, grab dinner, um, do things like that. So the key was really to have the, the public art all close to each other. And so the first uh, piece that we collaborated with was on uh, Joe's Deli on the corner of Colvin and Hurdle. And the artist uh, came in and did it. And like literally within a week of it being finished, we had business owners and building owners contacting us and saying they wanted to do the, they wanted a mural. How could they be a part of it? They wanna they wanna be a part of getting more murals on Hurdle. And in two years, there have been six murals installed on Hurdle Avenue. And we also worked with the Hurdle Business Association and the business and building owners that are on Hurdle Avenue that are adjacent to the Hurdle Alley. So the Hurdle Alley is three blocks, and most people didn't even don't even know that it exists. It's uh, just a, it's behind some of the businesses and buildings that are on Hurdle. So we wanted to beautify that. So we worked with uh, a local artist, Vinny Alejandro, and he worked with uh, he lined up twenty different artists. So over one weekend, we transformed the entire. Hurdle Alley into there's 20 different uh, pieces of art there which is just incredible and talking to the business owners they've all seen a, an increase in foot traffic and when people are walking down the street they pop into the businesses it's just it's great for everyone yeah I was uh, I checked out a bunch of the murals and they everything's like really cool uh, I know you had an issue where someone came and they um, spray painted over it like locals only and put um, uh, like blue spray paint all throughout it and it, that's kind of discouraging just because um, most of the artists were actually local artists so what are some things that um, you and the community are working on to ensure that uh, the community keeps moving forward yeah that was weird because that was the that was just a few days after the hurdle alley art festival and there were 20 different artists they all volunteered their time um, they put these great pieces of art up and someone with spray paint wrote locals only and put a blue line through a bunch of them, which doesn't make sense. 90% um, of the artists were from Western New York. So I have no idea what the, what the reason or why someone would even, would even do that. But um, we, nobody's letting that deter uh, the, that from happening again. 
the Herdalelli Art Festival is going to happen again next summer. A lot of the artists actually went back to, to their art and they um, painted over where the person drew the line in. Mm-hmm. So it was just um, really didn't, it didn't phase anyone. It was just, okay, this happened, let's fix it and let's do the event again next year. That's awesome. Um, what other projects you have um, in the future that you're looking to work on or that uh, already may be in the works and just aren't uh, like really up to speed yet, um, or that the public isn't up to speed yet on? So we have a couple more public art projects that we're working on, um, which I'm not gonna get into the details right now. Another thing that we're, we've been working on with many others is uh, an indoor sports facility at Choshone Park. And I think that's gonna be uh, huge for not just North Buffalo, other parts of the city, because the, the proximity of the park. So in, in the city of Buffalo, there is, there's no, except uh, Narden, has a, Narden has an indoor facility mm-hmm. on, uh, on Delaware Avenue, but besides that, there's no other indoor year-round facilities. Okay. And the, with the climate that we have here, uh, there's really not a ton of time to do outdoor sports. I know this spring was a particularly wet spring, so people weren't out playing on the grass very limited, I mean, up through May, um, even towards towards mid-May. So I think it makes sense, especially in this climate, to have an indoor facility so the, the kids in the city have a place to go um, to play soccer, lacrosse, uh, baseball and do these winter have these activities in the winter in the fall in the spring when they wouldn't be able to do it outside and it's uh it's definitely a need and i'm happy we're moving in that direction and we're going to make that happen and you just recently secured uh a million dollars in funding for that and it's a four million dollar project right yeah so the project is going to going to be somewhere around four million dollars it's still um there's still not a final number yet, but there have been so many people that have, have been helpful with that. Senator uh, Chris Jacobs was able to commit $1 million from the state. Um, the city of Buffalo has committed $1.5 million to it. Um, the county legislature committed $150,000 to it. So we're, we're over $2.5 million right now, and we're expecting uh, and hoping to get some more funding for that soon. That's awesome. Um, what advice would you give to other areas of the city to maybe help them spark um, a rejuvenation of the level of the North Buffalo region? So the great thing which you see in North Buffalo is a lot of the rejuvenation comes from people that are local, local businesses, people from the area, and it's not, um, you know, it's not like one huge project which is transforming the street. It's a lot of people, it's a lot of people doing things that collectively make the area uh, such a desirable neighborhood. Um, and it's interesting if you walk down, if you walk down Hurdle or, or even most part, parts of the city, you won't see on Hurdle, you won't see any franchises. It's all local businesses and I think that compared to other cities Buffalo really is a local town where people like um, they like supporting local when you go to 
it's interesting being in sometimes you're in other cities and it seems like every place you pass by is a franchise or something yeah. and it's just like franchises nothing you know nothing against certain franchises but like generally they don't do well in uh in buffalo because people like um their own different their own different things here so it's really local business is the is really the lifeblood of the community and it's just really important to be supporting our local businesses yeah, and it, it seems that um, you do a lot of work with uh, bringing local businesses and the community in um, to work with the government and to, uh, to find ways to make the community more successful. And so, like with the cleanup project where you worked with the Schetzel Group, um, just projects where the community and these small businesses want to give back to the community. and. Uh, it, it seems that in in other areas of the country there isn't like such a sense of togetherness as in Buffalo and, and so it's like great really great to see just companies that the people of Buffalo have built up giving back yeah it's great um, Mike Schatzel from the Schatzel group he um, he called me if there were a few times where he was dropping his kids off to he was dropping his kids off to school at St. Mark's, and um, the garbage trucks happened to be picking up the garbage near St. Mark's at the same time as the drop-off time. So he called me a few times around, I don't know, 7.45 in the morning and said, hey, can, we, can you talk to the city, to the sanitation department, see if they can pick up, um, see if they can do the pickups maybe like a half an hour later so it's not interfering with, uh, with the school drop-off time. So he... There were a few Thursdays, like I said, he called me around like 7.45. And then one Thursday, it was in, um, I think it was March, I get a call from him in the morning, and I'm expecting him to call about about that. And he uh, he says, don't worry, Joe, I'm not calling about the, the, I'm not calling about that. He said that he was, uh, he was just looking around, and the snow was starting to melt, and he was noticing a lot of trash. And he, he said, hey, Earth Day's coming up. How can we? What can we do together and collaborate on uh, to do a great Earth Day cleanup? He goes maybe, and he threw out he threw out some suggestions. I threw out some suggestions. Um, the following day, he had a staff meeting with all of his restaurants from the Schatzel Group. That I, I don't know if it was a weekly meeting or um, how often they have them. And I went and we talked about a bunch of ideas, and from there. Um, we worked together and had a, a great cleanup on Earth Day. There was over 100 people that showed up to volunteer to clean up Elmwood Avenue, to clean up Allentown. It was great. There were a lot of, a lot of residents that lived in Elmwood showed up to volunteer. Uh, there was a lot of college students from Buff State that were there. And it was awesome, too, because he, he threw a great after party. Everyone who, everyone who showed up and... and uh, and volunteered, got a free beer, and he put out a ton of food just as a as a appreciation for all the volunteers. And it was just great to see the community come together to to clean up the street. And it's uh, it was it was definitely needed at the time because once the when you have snow down on the ground for for months, the garbage just seems to sit there. But it looked it looked great afterwards, and it's uh, it's nice to have people and businesses that are local that want to give back and they want to help the community that also supports them.
it's, it's great to hear so many yeah. stories about uh, just community involvement and how dedicated the people of Buffalo are to uh, the rejuvenation of the area and it, it just never ceases to amaze me all of the amazing things going on. Um, as far as local businesses, if uh, people are looking to start local businesses. I know you are um, a board member on a couple of organizations that advocate um, for the creation of small businesses and um, there's lots of information on those sites um, with partnerships that help to create small business. So what advice do you have for uh, people that are looking to start a small business? So for people that want to start first, I. I think um, look at location, where you want to be, um, if, if there's a certain area you want to be in. Um, but the Buff State College has a great small business, uh, small business clinic where you go in and you can talk to the, the small business advisors and it's completely free. It's funded by the state and they have some great resources there as well. And then also I try to... Um, I try to encourage people to talk to to talk to Buff State, um, but also if people are opening a business on Elmwood or on Hurdle, for example, I encourage them to become a part of the business associations like the Hurdle Business Association and um, the Elmwood the Elmwood Strip Association. It's it's really interesting what happened in Elmwood about just just over a year ago. You had the, the Elmwood Village Association didn't have a single small business owner on their board of directors. And I think a lot of the small businesses um, felt they needed to come together and sort of have a stronger voice because there is certainly strength in numbers. And so the business owners formed, um, they formed a group called the Elmwood Strip and they have, I don't know the exact amount, but I believe they have over 60 um, 60 of the small business owners on Elmwood are part of that group and and now the Elmwood Village Associations uh, the board president is a small business owner and that's from that's the first time since it started um, as Forever Elmwood which I think was 25 years ago and it's it's very important to involve the to involve residents small business owners and to have people working together and that's really the most important thing and that's why we're able to partner with so many people and get things done whether us it's our office assisting others on projects that they thought of or if it's projects that we think of and we work with other people it's just collaboration is so important and it's wonderful that in this city you have so many people that are willing to collaborate on things and sort of come together and help and do something that benefits the community as a whole um, and just sort of put their ego aside and do something that's best for the area, not what's best for them or not to um, necessarily do something that just helps their business or just helps um, one specific thing that helps the whole community. Yeah, that's really great. Um, so is there anything that we haven't touched on or talked about that you would like to bring up that either you feel that we missed or that you really want to bring light to um, as far as the city of Buffalo or your district? I think, um, I think you did a very, you did a good job in, in touching a lot of, a lot of the different things. Another, just one more thing that I'd like to highlight, which a lot of, um, a lot of people 
don't necessarily realize how, and that's how close that our arts and cultural institutions are to our vibrant commercial districts. And just for instance, in the, in the Delaware district, which is the di district I represent on the council, which is um, the majority, the majority of my district is North Buffalo, but I also represent the El part of the Elmwood Village um, from like the Albright Knox down to uh, just past West Ferry. But so I have a vi I represent a vibrant commercial district on Elmwood and on Hurdle. I always try to remind people if you're going to Hurdle or Elmwood, check out our arts and cultural institutions, or if you're going to the arts and cultural institutions, check out Hurdle or Elmwood. People, um, sometimes people forget that this, you could be going to the Darwin Martin House and you're literally a two to three minute car drive from some of the best restaurants on Hurdle Avenue, or you're very, very close to the Albright Knox, or if you're very, very close to the zoo. So in, I mean, probably within 10 minutes, the 10 minute drive, you could go from the Darwin Martin house to the Buffalo Zoo, to the Albright Knox, drive down Hurdle or go to Elmwood. And even on bike, they're also, everything's so close to each other. So we just wanna remind people because we have so many visitors to Hurdle, so many visitors to Elmwood, and so many visitors to the Albright Knox, Birchfield Penny, uh, Buffalo Zoo to to check out check out the other things while you're in the area. Awesome. Um, so how we finish every episode is we go with a core four, and it's just um, four questions, and we ask about your core values. So, what job would you want to do if money didn't matter? <laughs> um, I let's see. I would like to be an artist if if money didn't matter and that's I, I am not a good artist but i have uh i think that would be that would be awesome and i would be able to um to to do that and certainly i wouldn't be able to make any money off of it <laughs> uh question two who is or was your biggest mentor in life and why I th my father was my biggest mentor, and seeing his um, his work ethic and my mother, I so I want to have both have I want to have two. So um, they both of them have just an outstanding work ethic and have done uh, have done so much and have accomplished what they have through um, through hard work. My dad. Um, was the he was the first person in his um, in his immediate family to graduate from college? I think my his mother. Uh, not sure if she graduated from high school. His father didn't graduate from grade school. Um, worked. They were both. My grandparents were both very hardworking, wonderful, um, just outstanding people. My dad um, then went on to law school and has had a very successful career. And that's through. Um, working very hard and also with my mother um, she my parents met at the University of Buffalo Law School and she was the first female partner at her law firm which is um, that's just crazy to it's crazy to think that you know that not that long ago you had big law firms that didn't even have a single female partner um, it's crazy 
that to think about that. And then my mom went on to be a state Supreme Court judge, and now she's the administrative judge of the 8th Judicial District. She's only the second female to do that, so certainly both of them. Yeah, she's awesome. I've never met your father, but your mom is a great person. Thank you. Um, what do you consider to be your greatest accomplishment? Uh, my greatest accomplishment is by education and graduating from law school and passing the bar and being admitted to be an attorney. Um, we, when that was uh, many years ago, but at the at the time, it's just it takes so much work and dedication and um, that and then in a very very close second, I'm going to put uh, doing doing a, uh, a half iron man that's when I when I trained and it was a 1.2 mile swim then a 56 mile bike ride then ran uh, half a marathon so that was right up there don't ever invite me to one of those <laughs> I feel like your brother would be down <laughs> <laughs> yes he would he I did one and then he he uh, he followed suit and did one the following year awesome and last question what's the most important piece of advice that you've ever received uh, that when you when you fall down you have to get back up. I had a I had a professor in, in undergrad and he asked the class he said what what is one great what is the one great characteristic that all leaders have? And everyone raised their hands and came up with a bunch of different answers and he said he said, No, that's he said that's not it. It's when they face adversity, when they have a setback, they get back up and they move forward. And then he gave so many examples of how so many um, people and so many leaders that have accomplished wonderful things in their life, whether it was people that came up with inventions or people that moved uh, to, to like a high public office or people that did in sports, anything, any anyone in the top of their industry or top of their sport or top of their field all had setbacks but they were able to get back up and move forward and I think that's always always stuck with me. That's a great piece of advice so on that note I think uh, I think we're definitely gonna wrap it up and leave the listeners with that wisdom so thank you very much for your time and for being on the show we greatly appreciate it. Thank you very much for having me. Of course, and until next time, follow your passion and keep working towards your goals and dreams.